If you're in Revelation um, 13, this this is specifically talking about um, Satan, actually, and how the Lord overcomes Satan. And it's this declaration, it's this song even over it. And it's um, if you look in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it mentions this part of the song. And I just want to share this with you guys. We're not going to be spending... Um, a lot of time going through the word and things like that, because I want to share how the word was relevant in my life. But it says this, it says in verse 11 that they triumphed over him, referring to Satan. And it says this, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And those two things are so central to who we are, not only um, just in believing Jesus, but being founded in Jesus and living the life that he has for us, truly being redeemed and transformed by Christ comes with the blood of the lamb. It comes with this perfect sacrifice, this perfect payment. There is nothing more precious, more valuable in this world than the blood of the lamb. There is no amount of money. There's no amount of diamonds or jewels or rare items that could ever compare to the price of what God's blood is. And that's what he washes us in because it it brings us forgiveness. And it's something that he not only gives to us, but we allow over ourselves. You can't be a Christian without the blood of the lamb covering you. But the other side of it as well, the word of our testimony. That's an interesting thing as well that would put side by side with the blood of the lamb. It talks about how This word of redemption, this understanding of what God has done in our lives transforms us and who we are. That knowing how God has redeemed you, found you in who God is. So let me ask you, what's your redemption story? What what has God done for you in your lives? Maybe you don't know, maybe you do. It's a powerful question you can ask yourselves. I think it's powerful, not only is the word of our testimony powerful to the people around us, but it's powerful to ourselves as much. And even for me, you know, to be completely honest, I sometimes just get a little bit anxious whenever I share my testimony. Um, just because I think it's, for me personally, it's easier to teach about things in the Bible without associating myself to them. But you know what? The truth of the matter is, we are all people in this room. And I, I, I want to meet you guys this morning, not as a pastor, but as a brother this morning. Um, I want to just share my heart. I want to share my story um, with you guys, because we all have a story. Can you, can everybody just nod with me that you hear me and that we all have a story and we're all walking this story right now and all of our stories are incomplete and we have to look to the Lord each and every day for every, every section of that story. And so, um, you know, I think for me, I was born into a Christian family. Both my parents came to know the Lord um, just um, my mom came to know the Lord before I was born, and my dad just as I was born. And um, we, we were, I was born in California, and then we moved up here, and I've been attending Beaverton Foursquare actually my entire life since I was four years old. Um, I went up through the entire church. I was in, sitting in the exact seats that you guys have been sitting in um, on many a Sunday morning, all the way from junior high all the way through high school in the youth department. Um, I went up through everything. I, I sat there. I listened to the Um, the pastors and the teachers and everything. I walked through your guys' shoes. Um, I accepted Jesus when I was in fourth grade. I can still remember just feeling God's love. I knew God loved me. And I just remember him just just saying that just in such a gentle way to me. And so I was like, 
you know, in fourth grade, okay, you know, <laughs> put my trust in him, and that's when, that's when I came to know him, and yet, um, I think, you know, one of the things about my story that I always look back on is that, you know, I grew up through this church, but my faith was never really founded in Jesus, that I had known Jesus, and I had acknowledged him as my Lord and Savior, and yet, when it came to any depth of my relationship, there wasn't a lot of it. I remember I came every single Sunday. Sundays were a fixture in our family. I would come, and yet there were certain things that, looking back on, I began to notice about my time and maybe some of the reasons why I wasn't so founded in my faith as I thought. For one thing, I, I had just didn't really reach out to anyone. I just kind of came on Sundays and thought, this is what church is. This is the extent of my faith is a Sunday morning. I had a couple friends that were in here, but really, um, I just, I didn't really get to know anyone beyond a Sunday morning. And so I would come in here and I would have friends within this room, but then outside of it, there was no connection. There was no meeting with people outside of church. As well, I didn't really ever get a chance to connect with leaders or anything like that. And so you could say that the extent of my faith came with a Sunday morning. I had I never gotten in God's word on my own, maybe every once in a while when my parent would tell me to. Um, but really, there was no daily relationship. I think there's a difference between doing something and walking in something. So there would be occasional times when I would do the word, you know, like be in it and look up a scripture. But there was no daily walking, no matter how I was doing or reliance on it. I, couldn't, I could not tell you what the four Gospels were. Um, and you probably are in that same shoe as well. I couldn't tell you that until my sophomore year of college. It just, the Word wasn't something that was central to my life at all. In fact, I prayed. You know, I prayed. Um, I, I made time for prayer. Oftentimes, as I went throughout my day, there'd be times where I would pray and just even stop. But there was no Word. The Word was non-existent in my life, even though I was hearing it every single Sunday. If you took out Sundays and you said, Jeff, what does your faith look like? There wasn't much. And I think that was really revealing of my own heart and where I was at in that. And I think, you know, it wasn't that God didn't matter to me because I believed in Jesus and he was important in my life. For one thing, he wasn't the most important thing. It wasn't that God didn't matter in my life. It's just that other things were so important. Sports to me was so important in that day. Tennis, while I was in high school, wanting to earn a full ride and a full scholarship was everything to me. I would give 30 out of 31 days to that. And even on my days off, I was prepping for the next 30. I gave everything to it. Grades were so important to me. My college, my future, those things, presenting myself as someone who was accomplished um, in just so many ways were so important to me. Being someone who mattered was the most important thing to me. And so although I would come here on Sunday mornings, it's not that I never, it's not that I was like, no, I disagree with you to the pastor. It's just like, hey, you know what? That's good. But this is what's really helping me right now. This is what I really care about right now. And that's kind of how I, I grew up. There were certain things that were happening in my life. I felt a lot of pressure felt on myself. These were things that I never even realized were happening through junior high and high school. I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, to be the kind of person that I thought I needed to be. I had a lot of fear. I had a lot of self-hatred. I think telling myself that I hated myself was, was a pretty common thing. And it was, just, it was just a part of who I was growing up, even though I didn't know it was something unhealthy. Um, I'm the kind of person that when I screw up, 
I say, I'm going to give twice as much effort. I'm going to try twice as hard to cover to make sure that never happens again. And the striving in my life, it's so I can cover these insecurities begin to come out of me. And I think it's, it's, man, looking back on it and seeing there was an outer image of myself and then there was my heart in what was really happening. Here I am. If you looked at me from an outer perspective, here's a kid who's pretty nice. He's very polite. Um, he's good at sports. He gets good grades. He comes to church every Sunday and he says he believes in Jesus. You know, seems like he's got his life together. But let me tell you something. I was deteriorating on the inside. And it depends on what you look at and what's important to you. Because if the outer image things are important to you, portraying a certain image to people, thinking that those are the things, then when God tries to address your heart, you're going to go, it doesn't really matter doesn't matter as much as these things. And so I began to see certain things in my heart deteriorate. And, you know, that led me, um, that led me to college. And I think this is a big, this is a big, just a value and even just a characteristic that I have in shaping how I do youth ministry. Because I remember going to college. I went to Portland State. I got on their tennis team. And so I had eight best friends that were just given to me. It was secular. Um, none of them believed in the Lord, and they were very, they, they lived it out, you know, and they, um, they went for it, and I was invited into that community because when you're on a college team, you share everything together. They, they are literally your brothers. I spent more time with those guys than my own family um, throughout that. Um, and so I can remember just even my, my, my freshman year and even just the beginning of my sophomore year of college, um, just my heart was starting to get revealed. And I would, I would describe it like this when it says, like, a man reaps what he sows. It says that in Galatians 6. I began to see these, like, plants come up from under the ground. And I would see these certain things that I had been sowing in myself throughout junior high and high school that I just thought, hey, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But the truth of the matter is it doesn't take effort to grow weeds. Amen. All it takes is you've got to leave your heart unattended in certain places. And then all of a sudden you begin to see these things come up and you go, whoa. And I remember seeing certain things come out of me that I thought, I thought were never possible. I never drank in high school. I never drank in junior high. So why did I start drinking in college? I never questioned my faith. I never let my tongue slip. So why did I start letting that happen the minute that I got to college? And it was, it was funny because it didn't just all, like, happen at once. That happens to some guys. We've seen that happen to students who have come through here. But it just slowly deteriorated because here were these things coming in and taking a deeper root than Jesus Christ. And so the way that I would describe it is although Christ was there, it wasn't the most important thing in my life. And I began to see these certain changes start to happen in my heart. It was, it was these little compromises that I just started to make. And that's how the enemy likes to work in our lives. He likes to work these little compromises. Well, this is okay. Well, it's okay to care about this. Well, it's okay to make this important. And I began to just change and not for the best. It was just something that was slow that was happening. And I remember coming to just so many, so many times my freshman year of what has happened to me. What is going on with me right now? Because I'm seeing all this stuff that I never thought was in my heart. I thought I had it together when I was in high school. And all of a sudden, now it's, it's what do I do with this? 
And I began to really just kind of, I began to pray a lot more because I wasn't sure what to do. Um, and all of that to say led me to a point in my sophomore year of college. And I can remember I was praying, um, I was praying uh, on my floor. Um, I guess one thing that I forgot to mention was when I was in sixth grade, um, a friend at school told me to look at a, at, a, at a site, and it was completely inappropriate. It was completely sexual immorality, and I looked at it, and I was scared to death. I was scared to death of what I saw, and I remember um, turning it off immediately. But then um, a couple weeks later, I decided to go back again, and then a little bit more again and again and again and again, and to the point where I couldn't stop. I was stuck in this cycle, and I remember my, uh, my parents caught me, and I remember this talk that they had with me in sixth grade. And I just want to cover my parents. Um, I love them to death. But I remember they said this. They said, if you have a problem, talk to your pastor. And they said they never said anything again. And that struggle continued all the way through junior high and high school until I started to get help my sophomore year of college. It was the struggle that, that had me. And I would just say, if you're stuck in something and you can't stop, you need help. And that's, that's okay to admit. Hey, your pastor's admitting that he went through the same thing as you. It's, it's something that God wants to redeem, but he wants to redeem together. We need help when we need one another. And so I had, um, I remember just being in my dorm room and I was praying for forgiveness um, just over my sins. I just felt so guilty about who I was. There was a lot of self-hatred at that point. And I remember God told me something right then. And it was, it's one of those moments that changed my life. And he said, Jeff, he said, I have a plan for you to be a pastor and a shepherd of people in your life, and I love you. I remember sitting there on my dorm room floor, and it was almost comical because if God was going to speak anything to me in that moment, I thought it was going to be like, you need to stop this. Or, hey, you need, to, you need to stop drinking alcohol. Hey, you need to stop looking at girls inappropriately. Hey, you need to stop lusting hey, you need to get your life together. Hey, you need to get to church. Hey, you need to start serving in a certain way. Hey, you need to get in your word. You know what God said? Hey, I have a plan for your life, and I love you. You see, we think God is the one who just wants to come and change our behavior, but instead he wants to call us out in love of what we truly are. God called me for my purpose in the midst of all my messiness. And even then, I remember hearing that and saying, this isn't God. And like just laughing. I just laughed at God. Because I thought, this is why, God, I hate public speaking. I'm not in your word. And I don't serve. I've never served at Beaverton in my life. I've never served in church in my life. And so now you're asking me to be a pastor. And I, I kind of just dismissed just what God said. And I think we've all been in those places where maybe we've heard something from God and you're like, was that actually God? Did God just speak to me? How do I know? And here's the truth. If it's God's word, he will make it come about. God's word always comes through because with every truth that God says, it remains true. And so those three things that I, that I said to God weren't true, he began to address them one by one. And I noticed certain things start to happen. So I had to take a public speaking class. It was part of my major in college. After I was done with the class in uh, December, the teacher pulled me aside and said, hey, you're a really good communicator. You're really good at leading people up front. Just know that. I remember hearing that going, hmm, really? 
because I didn't think I was. And then I go home, and my mom randomly has this reading plan for the Bible, and she says, hey, I want you to have this. And I looked at it, and I was like, boy, this really helps me get in God's Word and understand it. Thank you. And I started reading, and I was like, this isn't as difficult as I thought it was. But I'm still not serving anywhere, so, ha, God. (laughs) And then... um, one of the, my junior high pastor actually made an announcement during the main service. I went there one time, and he was, he was saying, hey, we're having a, a 5K run to raise money for um, their, their nonprofit, which is called Compassion First, which gets girls out of slave trafficking. They said, we're looking for people. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I feel like I'm in good enough shape from college tennis, so why not? And so I, just, I literally went out there and just ran it by myself. I just went to it, didn't know anyone. Ran, felt sick to my stomach, wondered why people run for fun, and then went home, and it was, it was fine. And yet there was something still deep in my heart that I wasn't giving over to him. I still doubted. And here are these certain things that God was doing. And here I am, you know, I'm playing college athletics. I'm having a blast with my teammates. Um, we're, we're doing whatever we want. And yet I was just empty. There was this emptiness inside of me. And I can remember one day in January, it was mid-January, and one of the, one of the um, players on my team, it was his birthday, he just turned 20, and he had a lot of alcohol, but they didn't have a place to, to hang out. And so I said, hey, come over to our place. And um, I said, bring everyone, you know, we're going to hang out, and we're going to have a blast. And I can remember I was sitting there on a yoga ball, because it's college, you know, like, and I just felt so empty and I was just looking around the room, and I was like, what am, I, what am I doing right now? Why am I here? Why do I think that this is going to give me something? And God spoke again. And in the midst of that, he said, why are you running? That's all he said. He said, why are you running? And I, had to, I chewed on that. I chewed on that the rest of the night, and I chewed on that um, all the way just through sleep. And I woke up the next morning and said, all right, God. I'm going to give everything to you. And I got on my knees as I got out of bed. That was the way I started my Saturday. I just said, God, I'm going to give you everything. If you're calling me to be a pastor, whatever, I submit everything to you. I submit everything before you. And that was, that was such a vital part of my life and part of my relationship with God because I was someone who grew up in this group. I came and I heard the sermons, but I didn't really know Jesus deep down in my heart personally in the way that he wanted And it was to know that God has a purpose for you is one of the most powerful things that he could reveal to you. And I just I just know for a fact right now that God doesn't want you to wait until you're in your sophomore year struggling with certain things to reveal that to you. So he doesn't want you to suffer in that way. He wants to reveal that to you right now and right here. Um, I hope as as amazing as God's story is and his redemption in my life, I hope you don't have to walk that same path. That's why Sam and I are here as pastors, because we don't want you to walk that path. Um, We want you to know him now and walk in the life that is now. And from then on, it was a completely different story. I remember um, it it was supernatural the way that God changed my heart for his word. I just began to read it for hours every day and just 
literally consume this word and I haven't stopped. I just cannot stop. It's so good and it's so life-giving. I absolutely cannot put God's word down. If I don't read God's word by 10 a.m. each day, I'm a grumpy man. I am a grumpy man. And that was something supernatural that he put in me and that was something that changed. I had a daily relationship with God's word where I wasn't reading the word, but the word was reading me. It was speaking to me. And that's what God wants to have for each of you. And so here was a place where God was equipping me with truth. He was speaking that he loved me. Those insecurities began to fall just by the wayside because now it wasn't so much about what does the world say? What does, the world say? It says, what does God say about me? It started to really sink into my heart. And this joy and this happiness became to, started to come out of me because I gave space for God to talk to me. I gave space to listen to God. And so I remember even just as that went off, I, I decided, well, if I'm going to be a pastor, I need to go to Bible college. And so I wanted to stay, continue to play college tennis. So I did online Bible college. And I remember reaching out to the, the pastor at this time. His name was Matt Unruh. And I was like, hey, you probably don't remember me, but God's saying all this weird stuff to me and I don't know what to do and you're probably the closest person that I know. This is my sophomore year, so I've been out of it for like a year and a half and he was like, just come in. He said, just come in. And so we talked about it and I told him everything and he affirmed me and said, that was God that spoke to you and I think God has a plan for your life. And so I just began, he just invited me to hang around the youth department just to take mental notes to just serve whenever was needed and that, that led me um, to a place later that summer to meet a guy. His name's Chris Thornton. Some of you guys have probably heard of him, but um, I just remember Matt saying, hey, have you met Chris? They're just starting a college ministry here, um, and they're opening up a house, and they're going to have people live there. And I remember thinking, well, that's dumb. Like, I'm living at school. Why would people want to move into that? The truth is that I lived in that house for three years and was the house manager after time. And so God's like, oh, really? You know? But I remember just being invited into a whole new place of relationship. We shared the word. We shared everything together. It was the first time that I actually experienced friendship in my life. I actually experienced friendship. And, you know, going through junior high and high school, I thought I knew what friendship was. I thought I knew what a depth of love is, but you don't know something until you've experienced it. I think that's why we push for love for one another and friendship with one another, because it can truly be the most powerful thing. What God worked through in that season of being a part of the college ministry and being a part of that family, that's where I learned to serve. That's where I learned God's gifts. That's where I heard God's voice. That's where we went through so many difficult times, struggles and pains, hurts. We hurt each other a lot, but that's what family does. When you get people close together, they're going to bump into one another every once in a while. And we worked through it, and we grew deeper in our love. And from then on, what I would just say is, I mean, the rest was history. I just continued on in my faith in the Lord. And it's, I mean, I think testimonies are something that you could go on and on about. I could tell you all about the next couple of years, and, and this is my vacation in Hawaii. And, like, and you guys are like, ugh, you know. I could go on and on and on because I think there's a million testimonies within each person's life. There are so many different testimonies overlaying one another in our lives, even if they were for short seasons or for long seasons of our lives. But here's what I want to get to about this. God redeemed me 
that that Savior that was crucified on Friday and rose again on Sunday, he changed my life. The blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony changed me. Do I have it together now? No, absolutely not. I'm so flawed, and I need so much grace. We all do. We're all in that journey of, well, what about tomorrow? I don't know about tomorrow. God knows about tomorrow. And he wants to continue on in faith in that. And I think that's where a lot of God's word and God's commands shape our lives. But a lot of my testimony shapes the way that I do ministry as well. Because looking back on it, I mean, there is so much, there's just so much hindsight that I wish I would have known when I was your guys' age. There's so much. And what I would just say is this, um, you know, no God loves you and no God forgives you. He really does. That was the key of God calling me to ministry was I knew for a fact that I was forgiven and called by grace. I didn't have to wonder about how God felt about me anymore. That's where the insecurity came from, a feeling like I never measured up, feeling like God never forgave me. What if God came back today? Would I go to hell? What if I died today? Would I go to hell? I thought that a lot until I experienced the blood of the lamb in, a, in the truest way my sophomore year. So, you know, I would, even, I would even just say, what does the depth of your faith look like? That's the question I want to ask you guys. Two questions. What is your redemption story and what does the depth of your faith look like? Um, David in Psalm 34, 8, he says something interesting. He's like, he's making a case for God of why you should know him. And he doesn't, he doesn't come with these full arguments um, or intelligence. He just says this. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good, is what he says. Go and see for yourselves how good God is. Go ahead and dig. You'll find water. You know, I would even say that sometimes ministry is like, um, you guys know how well digging works? Um, it's this, you've, you dig down deep enough in a certain place, you'll hit um, where water goes underground and then it comes up and that's how a well is started. And so there are people that sometimes dig really deep down, but nothing happens. And there are people who dig down in other spots and they hit it and all of a sudden they have a well um, of water that they're able to get to. And I think sometimes faith can be like well digging where maybe you're digging a well and that's the representative of your faith, but you have no water. You're like, I, I'm not sure if this is working or not. Um, but that person has water. Why do they have water? They're digging in the same way. Does God like them more? What I would say is, no, they've just dug a little deeper. They've just dug a little bit deeper and they've gotten a little bit more water. You know, experiencing God has changed the way that I look at him and relate to him. He's my best friend and he's the love of my life. And I want to share every day with him, everything that I've got with him. No one's going to love me like Jesus loves me. No one's going to forgive me like Jesus loves me. When people fail, Jesus won't. When I fail, Jesus won't. He'll always be there for me. He'll always walk side by side with me and he'll always be with me. He'll never turn his back on me. He'll never break his promise, but he'll always continue to love me. He'll redeem me whenever I get insecure. He'll, he'll just whisper truth into my ear. He'll just put his arm around me and he'll just say, hey, I got you. I got you. Trust in me. It's okay. Whenever I need to hear the truth, whenever I'm wrong, God is always good at gently just telling me, um, no, <laughs> you know, 
He always tells me what's best for me, and that's the person that I want to trust. God doesn't just flatter me, but God is honest with me in love. I want that. I want that every day. It says in John chapter 7, or in John chapter 6, I'm sorry, um, Jesus reveals himself. He says he's the bread of life to people, and a lot of his disciples deserted him because they just said, this is way too heavy for me. This is way too much. Jesus turns to his own disciples, the 12, and he says, I, he, he says you guys aren't going to leave too, are you? And what Peter says is so miraculous. He says, where else will we go? So where else are you going to go for life? Who are, you, who's, who are you building depth with? Where else are you going to go other than Christ? Because you can go to those other places. You can, you can spend years of your life going to those other places but being left dry. I went to those places. I put my identity in who I was as a tennis player. I put my identity in how people saw me. And that, that well left me dry. That left me dry. But when I went to God's word, when I went to him, I was filled. And no matter what the outside looks like, if Jesus is filling your tank, you'll always feel his peace and love. So what I would just say is this is a reason why God's word is so central to this ministry because we want you guys to have a daily relationship with God's word. I would just say right now, as simply as this, if you don't have a daily relationship with God's word, make one. Make one right now because of the truth that God wants to speak over you right now. Make that the top priority in your life. We were talking about it actually at halftime of how often do you guys get in Bible study and like, or how often do you get in the Bible every day? And they were like, well, this and this and this. And then I asked them, how often do you get on your phone every day? And they're like, every day. And so it's what I would just say to you is it's maybe not a matter of I don't have time. It's just I'm not making time for it. Because you'll make time for the things that you really, really, really want during a day. And so what I would say is don't just find open time, but make time. Guard it with all your heart. Don't be unforgiving, be merciless about guarding your time in the word because of what it can do. It's a powerful place. The other thing I would just say as well is if you have friendships right now, um, or if you don't have friendships um, in this room, start them. Really, really pursue them. Maybe you know people, maybe you just talk to them on a Sunday morning, or maybe you just know and God wants you to take it to a different depth because all of my friends were outside of church. I didn't have any deep relationships inside the church. And that was hard for me to really follow the Lord when I started to fall away. And what I would just say as well is if you have friendships inside of the church here, make sure they're Christ-centered. Make sure the outer things don't, well, they just go to church. So obviously they're godly friendships. That doesn't mean anything. What, what means something is that you're both pursuing Jesus. And if that happens, if you're both pursuing Jesus, You'll just grow closer to each other naturally because you have the same value. You have the same hunger for Jesus. Um, the other thing I would just say as well is don't be afraid to pray over what God has in store for your lives. Oftentimes we go to church or um, we come here and say, hey, that's good, God, but I'm going to continue on with my purpose for myself. And then we wonder why God isn't working in our purpose or in our will when really God wants to say Actually, it's my will is what God says for your life is what will be best for you. So um, if the worship team wants to come back up. God's redemption in your heart changes the course of your life. God's redemption that happens in your heart, allowing that redemption 
inside of your heart, starting there, it changes the course of your life. And I think when, when I look at junior high ministry specifically, I see a ministry that almost is at a crossroads where there's so many decisions that you guys get to make about what the kind of men and women that you want to be. That's honestly just, it's one of the reasons why it's one of the most insecure ministries because a lot of people ask this question. This is the most common question for junior hires. Who am I? Who am I? We want to put our identities in something and we feel insecure when we feel like we don't know what it is. It's this crossroads yet. You get to decide whether God's love gets to be your identity or the things of this world get to be your identity. This is such a major step forward because when I was at the same crossroads as you, as I said, I'm going to put sports as my identity. And I paid the price and I'm so thankful God spoke to me as I was a sophomore in college because that was grace. That's grace at work. But the truth of the matter is, God doesn't want us just to suffer over and over and over at the hands of this world. God wants you to live and to stand in freedom right now. He doesn't want you to tolerate sin, but he wants you to grasp his love and his grace right now and to live in it, to make it who you are. When somebody asks, who are you? You say, I am God's love. I am God's grace. I will show it to everyone who's around me. So if you guys want to bow your heads with me, I think, what is your story? Who are you? You're everything that God says about you, that you're loved, that God delights in you, and that God forgives you. Lord, thank you so much for just putting to rest, Lord, all our fears and our worries. Lord, thank you for forgiving us of all of our sins. We don't have to live wondering if we're going to go to hell. Lord, we don't have to live wondering if we're pleasing you. Lord, we don't have to live wondering if you love us. Lord, you love us. Lord, you have redeemed us. Lord, we had fallen. Lord, we need you to stand us back up. And so, Lord, I just pray over those in this room. Maybe you feel like, I know God's grace, but I haven't been allowing it into my heart. That, Lord, um, this would be the morning right now, just as we're praying, would you just allow God to forgive you right now? Maybe you think your sin is too big. Maybe you think something is wrong with you and that you don't deserve to be forgiven or that God could. And this morning, I think that lie just needs to be put to bed in Jesus' name and that you just need to allow God to just wash over you and just remind you that he loves you and that he has a plan for you. Jesus, would you, um, Lord, just draw near to us. God, would you even just build up your church? God, would you build up just the friendships that we have with one another as we pursue you, Lord? When we say we're friends in Christ, that carries so much weight. It means that we'll do anything in our power to make sure the other person gets close to you and that we lift them up to you. Lord, if they struggle, we'll carry them, Lord. We'll do whatever it takes for them, and they'll do the same for us. Jesus, we pray even just for purpose in our lives. Would you just speak, Lord, just purpose over each person in this room right now, Lord? Jesus, thank you for speaking my purpose over me in the midst of my sin. And in the pursuit of my purpose, Lord, you set me free. No longer was I stuck in the mud. No longer was I stuck in my sin and in strongholds, Lord, or in in insecurities. But, Lord, you made me pure. Lord, you healed me. Lord, you're continuing to heal me, and you're continuing to heal us. So, Lord, we want to put our eyes on you. And, Lord, we want to go to a new depth. 
Lord, maybe we've been floating along in faith and we just haven't seen the point of going any deeper. And Lord, would you just bring us to a deeper place so we can hit that water, Lord, and just be filled with your love. So God, we just, we give that to you and we pray in the mighty name of Jesus, whom we're celebrating his death and resurrection, not only this week, but every day. Amen.